Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you live today from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. And you can listen to KPCG anytime at kpcg.fm. I hope you all had a lovely weekend. And we're just six days away from Father's Day now. Just a friendly reminder to all of you and also to myself because I want to treat my father well on this upcoming holiday. Don't want to overlook the necessary preparations for that. This world is rampant with a spirit of lawlessness. You can see it all over the place, perhaps especially in America right now. It has been stunning to watch the news the last few weeks and see just how fragile our society has always been beneath the surface. All it takes is one video to cause the entire country to be set on fire. A few years ago, all it took was someone's nightmare of a presidential candidate to take office for the country to also be set on fire. What is going on here? Why is lawlessness so common today? Why is there an anti-government mentality that is seen as fashionable? It's extremely common. And it's not just on one political side or the other. It's everywhere. It is seen as a patriotic duty today to protest to speak out in basically rebellion against government or against certain policies we don't like or laws we don't appreciate or even just statements made by certain leaders that we disagree with. Protesting, rioting, arguing, disrespect for authority, everywhere you look. What does the Bible tell us about this? How does the Bible advise us to proceed when we disagree with government? This is something that probably a lot of people out there today would not be very happy to hear. Romans 13, verses 1 and 2 state, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. That is some strong language. That's some what they call colorful language there. We have to submit to government whether we personally like it or not. Unless 
and there is only one caveat to this. That government is compelling us to disobey God himself. And you can find that in the book of Acts. I believe that's Acts 5. But it just says we must obey God rather than men. So if it comes to a point where we have to choose one or the other, where the two are in direct conflict with each other, it's pretty obvious which one we have to pick. But usually, out of all the laws of human beings we do disagree with, very rarely do those come into direct conflict with God's law. And in that case, God's church today, the Philadelphia Church of God, and the entire work that this church pushes forward actually does comply very closely with human governments. I think just very recently the church has set a marvelous example of this with all of the coronavirus regulations and restrictions. As far as I know, the church has complied with every detail of not just laws put in place, but also even local and national recommendations. Recommendations, where you don't technically have to obey, it's just recommended, it's just encouraged. And even in those cases, the church has still complied, the church has still been subject unto the higher powers. Now again, it's pretty obvious that God's work and and a lot of a lot of people in God's church would disagree with a lot of particular laws put in place, with a lot of policies being pushed in America and in other nations around the world. But despite personal disagreement, it is our job as Christians to obey. What a world we would have if we all just tried to obey Romans 13 verses 1 and 2. Being subject unto the higher powers, not resisting that power because God is in charge. God put those powers in place. And he sees all injustice. And he will take vengeance because vengeance is his. It's not up to us to clog the highways with protesting. It's not our job to be speaking out individually in defiance and disrespect toward authority. Now, the reason I talk about this, I'm talking about this now, is because it does tie in directly to God's work. I was searching for some material for this show this this morning, and I found an entire massive catalog of quotes from the late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong. And an entire sizable section of this catalog of quotes falls under this subtitle. Christ built his church and organized its government for the express purpose of doing the work. Did you realize that God's church has a specific government structure, a specific love of government? that makes it possible to do God's work? Do you realize that the government structure in God's church today 
which is the engine of God's work, has actually been in existence for eternity. This exact same government structure that really is what allows the work to be so productive today. And yet it has been in place forever. John 1 is actually the real chronological starting place of the Bible. And here's what it says, uh, John 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So there's these two eternally existing God beings, God and the Word, existing together as separate beings, but totally united with each other. They, w- they were with each other. They were each other because they had the exact same mind, total unity. However, it's very clear from Christ's time on earth that only one of these two God beings was in charge. The word, this eternally existing God being, became Jesus Christ. And all throughout Christ's physical life, he said he could do nothing without God the Father's help. And he did everything to please his Father. Both of these beings were perfect. Both of these beings think the same way, do things the same way, agree on every last detail, and yet they are, at the same time, separate and distinct God beings with only one in charge. And this example of Christ-like submission is so relevant for God's work today. God's work to this day applies the same type of loving government that God and the Word have experienced for all eternity, before time itself, before the entire universe even existed. And especially within this church, there is a specific way we have to operate things. There is a specific organization. Colossians 1 verse 18 says, this speaking of Christ, And he is the head of the body of the church. Christ is the head of the church. And like I mentioned, Christ does everything by God's approval at God's command. So Christ is over the church. God is over Christ. And this is how the work operates. This is how things are done. In fact, this government structure is the reason why this work is focused on helping the entire world. In a member letter on February 25th, 19, or 1974, February 25th, 1974, Mr. Armstrong wrote about this attempt within the Worldwide Church of God to actually turn the church inward. There were some ministers under Mr. Armstrong who wanted to get the focus on local congregations. They wanted to reorganize the structure of the church and the work to really focus more on local congregations instead of focusing on headquarters in Pasadena, California. This would have certainly 
made the church inward focused, caring far more about caring for members than it did about helping the entire world. It would have completely dismantled the focus of God's work. And Mr. Armstrong had to stay true to God's government structure, God's organizational pattern, oriented around headquarters, submitting to Jesus Christ, different departments being in charge of different operations and responsibilities in the work, government structures within those departments to make sure things are done as efficiently as possible, that there is clear leadership all throughout, and ultimately all of it submitting to Christ. That's the way that God has always done things in the work. And Mr. Armstrong had to fix this problem in the church. He had to stop this attempt to turn the church and turn the work inward. I just thought it was amazing to read about that. What a difference it would have been if those ministers had succeeded. The work wouldn't have been a powerful witness to the world. Matthew 24, verse 14, wouldn't have been fulfilled. Getting the gospel around the world as a witness to all nations. How can you possibly do that if you're totally focused on local congregations? That would have never been possible. In another member letter, May 2nd, 1974, Mr. Armstrong wrote, and since the church of God is to, become, is to become the kingdom of God, it is now one, a spiritual organism in which each begotten child of God has a personal contact through Christ in prayer and in fellowship with the father of the family of which each of us is a begotten child. And in order to carry out the divine great commission, two, an organization organized with the government of God, to carry on what we customarily refer to as the work of God. This is an astounding truth of the Bible, that God's church is God's family and soon to be God's kingdom. And that second point, for the existence of the church, it's an organization organized with the government of God to carry on what we customarily refer to as the work of God. It's all about that government, which makes that work possible. And that's why God's church loves God's government. Because what we're doing would not be possible without that. There's a wonderful booklet available to you for free at thetrumpet.com. It's titled God's Family Government, and it's written by PCG Pastor General Gerald Flurry. And he did write about this subject, God's family government. Today it can be so easy and so common to think about government as a bad thing. We have been given plenty of horrendous examples throughout history and in the present day of failed systems of government. But the problem with all of those systems 
is that they are operated by human beings. Human beings are in charge. That is not the case with God's work. This is a family government where the ministers are encouraged to treat the brethren as their own brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, with that kind of loving care and respect. It is a type of government where people are always willing to serve each other. And the top leaders are the foremost servants. Quite different from what you see in the world. But it works. It works to pretty much perfection. As far as we can possibly push it while being flawed human beings. And if we were perfect, it would work perfectly too. But it works pretty much as close as you can possibly get to that. Because God's government is upheld. And because it's all done in love. On page 10 of the God's Family Government booklet, Mr. Fleury writes, The most important doctrine in God's church is God's government, or holding the head of the spiritual body, Jesus Christ. If you lose a doctrine equal to the hand or foot, you can continue living. But if you lose the doctrine of government, the head The body dies unless God can somehow awaken you before it is too late. As Herbert Armstrong often said, government is everything. You can compare it to no other doctrine. No doctrine is even close to being as important. (laughs) I could pretty much end the show right there. What else is there to really say after something like that? Pretty powerful. But I do have a little bit more to say, I suppose. Ephesians 4 talks about God's government and how it is meticulously organized and how everyone has a part to play in it and how there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. It's all about unity and love working together within God's structure. Ephesians 4 uh, verses 11 through 13 expound on God's system of government within his church, which again is the engine for God's work. Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 13. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So you see within God's structure, Different people fulfill different roles, take up different offices as assigned by God. And the purpose is to help all the rest of us become perfect, to help us do the work, to help us become unified 
as we submit to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. There is a glorious purpose for God's government. And it's not there to just boss people around or go on the hunt for our sins. It's there to lift us up. And so often it does. If we will simply love that government and be subject to it and simply obey it. 1 Corinthians 12 goes a little further with this government structure. And it gives some more examples here of how we are all likened unto body parts. Christ being the head, the rest of us being other parts of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. And then verses 15 and 16. Just think about this. This this shows that there's no room for having an inferiority complex or thinking that your personal part in God's work is insignificant. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 15 and 16. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? That would be silly. If you were missing a foot, you would notice that. That would be a noticeable loss to your regular way of going about your life. Just because you might be the foot in the body does not in any way lessen your importance and the crucial nature of the role you get to play in the work. Every part of the human body, you could pretty much say it's necessary. You could pretty much say that every part of the human body helps us in some way. So really, it doesn't matter too much which part we all are because we're all helping. We're all working together as one body in one church to do one work. The church is the the main engine of the work, and there's also plenty of people who support the work while not being church members. And we all have different parts to play. But we have to realize that this is the one area Satan attacks the most. Colossians 2 verse 19 says, And not holding the head, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. So those are the benefits of holding the head. But it's saying that there are a lot of people today, even people who were within God's own church at one point, who are no longer holding on to the head, Jesus Christ. Mr. Flurry writes about this on page 12. The first and greatest deceit is to get people to get God's people away from God's government, the head. Again, without the head, the whole rest of the government structure within the church 
falls apart. And the whole work falls apart. We have to be focused on that submissive aspect of the work. On yielding ourselves totally to our real head within this church, the real conductor of the work. So like I said, this is really quite an interesting subject, especially when we consider what's going on in the world today. Government, governments in nations, governments in families even, have failed so frequently because they are directed by human beings. That's what really messes things up. Page 22 of the God's Family Government booklet says, God's government is the only government that has ever worked. And it has worked beautifully for all eternity. That's the type of government we want in our lives. That's the type of government that helps us see the bigger picture when crazy things are going on in the world. We do not try to take the law into our own hands. We do not rebel against human governments because they are set up on this earth by God himself. We have a specific way of doing things, a reverence for God's government within the church that does make doing the work possible. Page 23 here says, and this is talking about uh, Satan, the devil, how he wanted a collegial type government. He wanted to be equal to God in power. And here's what it says about collegial government. <laughs> the, re the Reader's Digest, a secular outside worldly source. It says collegial is relating to a group of colleagues, each of whom has equal authority as collegial deliberations can be lengthy, inconclusive, and frustrating. This is the worldly way of doing things. Every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. Everyone just having the same amount of authority. No one's making any decisions. Nothing's getting done. You look at what's going on in these radical, crazy riots right now and these movements to destroy America. There's no leadership there. There's no organization. It's just about destruction. Nothing good is getting done. That is anarchy. That's what the country will see if we choose to go their way. There will be worse government than we've ever seen if we try to implement what they're talking about. Total anarchy. Then you have the other extreme. Totalitarianism. Authoritarianism. Dictatorship. And the people in those systems die by the hundreds of millions. And then even somewhere in the middle, 
you have democracy where we have seen quite radical leaders voted into office being allowed by God to take power because of the sins of the people. But none of these governments will satisfy. None of these governments will ever bring peace. They won't help us. Page 26 of the God's Family Government Booklet. Again, which you can read for free at thetrumpet.com and also request your free copy. The major lesson God has tried to teach men for thousands of years is submission to his government. A little farther down, Mr. Flurry writes, government is the most difficult lesson of all for men to learn. We must become deeply converted to grasp it. The most difficult lesson of all for men to learn. A lesson that God's church and God's work certainly understand. A lesson that We are eager to teach mankind once they have finally realized how much these human forms of government have failed. Well, today we've been talking about God's family government and how it really does help to move the work forward and basically produce incredible miracles in the work. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 1130 a.m. Central Time 